Mac Power Users, episode 685, Fighting Digital Distractions. Hello, everyone. I'm David Sparks, and joined by my co-host, Mr. Stephen Hackett. How are you, Stephen? I'm good, David. How are you? Excellent. I've been looking forward to recording this show. We're going to talk about uh, using our Apple technology uh, with a little brains behind it, making sure we're not digitally distracted, which is a big problem right now. But mm-hmm. be- before we dig into that, let's do a little housekeeping. Yeah, I, I really just had one thing, and there's no real reason for this. It just sort of came to mind as as I was putting the outline together. I just want to, I'm just going to have a link in the show notes to MPU on Apple Podcasts. I know looking at our stats, a, a lot of you use Apple, but a lot of people don't. Um, but Apple's podcast directory is sort of the home of the review. And uh, if you enjoy the show, if you like what we're doing, you got a second. We'd love for you to drop by and uh, and leave a fresh review on the show. Again, there's no real reason for this today. It just kind of popped in my head. And uh, so yeah, just wanted to, wanted to share it. It does help us, though, and we would really appreciate it if you did that. Yes. And um, on more power users today, uh, we are going to be talking about my webcam saga I have been dealing, you know, I'm using a webcam a lot lately because of the labs and other stuff I do. And uh, I had a meltdown, Stephen. I have a lot to tell you. Okay. So I, I've been saving it. I'm going to just drop it on you. All right. Power users today. That's, that's how I like it. I like, this, I like the, whole, the whole enchilada, as they say. Yeah. Is that what they say? Let's go. Uh, I, I don't know in this context how that makes any sense, but I, I'm going to go with it. Maybe sure. I'm just hungry. You know, it's lunchtime. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys have good enchiladas out there yeah we've got there's 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 great uh uh mexican and latin food in in memphis really all across the south so yes i've, yeah. I've got my spots. oh that's not fair you get the ribs and you get good mexican food memphis I mean, we got a good food scene here you know yeah i'm gonna have to get out there i'm gonna get out there and judge your mexican food for myself though, okay because we have excellent mexican food here in california i had a friend visiting uh from chicago and he uh he texted me. He's like, dude, I found the best Mexican food in California. He's like, this is so amazing. He sent me like their card and everything. I'm like, guy, that's just a Mexican restaurant in California. <laughs> <laughs> They're all good. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, we're here today to talk about distractions. And I thought this is something that kind of relates to the show. We are both big fans of technology, particularly Apple technology and all the ways we can use it. But at the same time, we're kind of going through this thing that, you know, people are calling it the crisis of attention or, you know, loss of focus. It's something that's been very much on my radar for years because I feel like one part of me is here to tell you technology is great and you should use it. But um, the technology industry has really shifted in a lot of ways from um, selling you services or or fancy tech to selling your eyeballs as advertising units. And that has caused a shift in the way that technology works, that it, it really does cause us to be distracted more and um, prevents us from doing our best work. I mean, this is something that to me was critical in the decision to stop being a lawyer is I feel like this is the drum I want to bang on for the rest of my life. I feel like this is something that can help a lot of people I don't think people are, are as aware of the as they should be. Um, I think it's particularly a problem for children whose brains aren't fully developed, and they really have a problem with it. 
Um, I got some validation on this with my daughter, who's a high school teacher. And this is her first year as a teacher. And she, uh, she told me like the first week, she's like, the biggest problem I can already tell you is the phones. You know, the kids mm-hmm. cannot resist them. She was telling me how she would tell them, you have to put your phones away. And they'd look at her and she could tell they meant it, that they were, they, they wanted to obey and then five minutes later, you'd find one, you know, with his phone up his pant leg <laughs> so he could, you know, cross his leg and look at it like you wouldn't notice. Yeah. It's it's the modern day, you know, snake the the headphone from the Walkman up your sleeve, I guess. Yeah, I guess. And, and I, I think we should probably just acknowledge that, too. You and I are not teenagers and every generation since, you know, the dawn of man, the older generation says, oh, the young kids are doomed you know, they, they've got this problem. I'm sure at one point it was, uh, you know, rock and roll music at one point, maybe it was reading books, fiction. I remember when fiction books were first became a thing. If you read the history that that was the end of civilization, Mm -hmm. according to the older people. And there's always something, but what I would say is I feel like this is a distinct problem in that, um, it's taking advantage of brain chemistry. And just to give you the short version of this, right. Um, the human brain was wired, you know, when we were people out in the, out in the veldt or whatever, and running away from tigers and saber tooth tigers and trying to stay alive. So we, we developed a very highly keen sense of emergency or threat. Mm-hmm. And if you, depending on who you read, some people call it the lizard brain or whatever, but the, there's a part of our brain that's very good at that threat assessment but with the rapid advance of technology in the last couple hundred years, um, our brains have not evolved as fast as technology has. So uh, these, uh, these guys and gals making some of this attention-grabbing software are totally plugged into that. And they know that the lizard brain is going to grab onto what's new and interesting or what's a threat to us uh, much quicker than we are going to be able to focus on what's important to us. And they just... They just hijack our brains throughout the day. And the more we let them, the worse it gets. Uh, There's so many studies online you can find. I found one that said college students can only focus on one task for 65 seconds. I found another one that said um, uh, office workers on average change their focus every three minutes. I mean, this is stuff that means we're never going to get the hard work done. And there's a lot of good books on this. I think one of my favorites is Cal Newport's Deep Focus, which talks about this problem. He's a college professor. By the way, uh, Cal Newport is going to be a guest on the Focus podcast uh, a few weeks after this episode drops. Nice. So you may want to check nice. that out. Um, but the um, it's just a real constant problem. You know, well, uh, and I, like I said, to me, this is central to what I do on the internet. I mean, I want to teach you about cool apps and workflows, but I also want you to be able to accomplish what you want to out of your life using this technology, not despite of it. And I think if we bring some intentionality to the table, we can, uh, we can be better at that. So we need to be aware of it. So to, to a certain extent, this is very um, important to me. Yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's a critical thing to talk about because you know technology is just a tool, right? It, it is can be used for good, it can be used for bad, it can be used to create, it can be used to destroy, and this is just part of our complicated 
relationship with it, right? And and I, I don't know about you, but for me, I find this popping up kind of in some weird ways. I mean, I think you have in the outline somewhere, like uh, it can be hard to do like deep, you know, uh, long form reading because we're used to shorter things that are dancing in front of our in front of our eyes. And like, I feel that sometimes, you know, like sit down and read a book. And before I know it, I'm sort of wandered off mentally. You know, I'm still on the couch. The book is still in my hand, but maybe my phone is in my hand too. Or maybe I'm just sort of, you know, have drifted off. And it, it is uh, in those moments when I realize it, I, I don't like the feeling it gives me, right? And so this is a definitely an important topic and and one that, it's also really complicated because, again, the technology is just a tool. And in the and in recent years, we're going to talk about some of these features. Apple uh, on iOS and macOS, and even Google on Android, have built digital well-being tools into the platforms that themselves are the problem. Right. So there's this give and take. Yeah. There's this there's this issue of well, you know, companies, social media want your attention, want your eyeballs, want your brain. But they also have, you know, like Instagram and YouTube, I know both have like limitations you can set within the app sort of outside of the OS stuff to limit your time there. And so there is this tension, right, built into this that has really, I think, gotten to a point where we have to talk about it. And not just in the context of teaching or parenting or those sorts of things, but in the context of everyday work. And I think that's what we want to get to today. To unpack that, the, on the books, there's a great article of, by Marianne Wolf. We're going to put it in the show notes. And I, I shared this with the labs members this week. We've been talking about it there as well. But the, the thing she was talking about is, you know, reading is not something that comes naturally to us, right? Uh, when we were out in tribes running around, we didn't just naturally learn how to read books. We we learned how to run. We learned how to sleep. We learned how to do several things to survive as a species. But reading was a thing that we actually kind of collated and created with our with our rational brains. But it's not. It doesn't come natural to humans. I mean, it's something you have to be taught to do. It's something you have to practice. And the point she makes is that focused reading, like reading and really diving into an interesting topic is something that was easy years ago because you got a book and you read each page and there was nothing to distract you. Digital devices can really throw a monkey wrench into that. And um, she argues to a certain extent, I don't want to overgeneralize, but you know, this whole idea of partial attention, I think she called it the crisis of partial attention. It's making us dumber. It's making it harder for us to focus on interesting or serious topics and get something out of them. And again, I don't want to be alarmist with this episode, but I do think there the studies and research are starting to catch up to show, yeah, this actually could be a problem, and it's something we should all be aware of. Other ways I think that this this distraction thing really gets to you is I think it makes it harder to think because you need in order to think a topic through or something you're doing, you need to really focus on it or um you know, what they call flow. You need to enter that flow state. Have you ever had that happen when you're working on a problem or even doing something physical and time just kind of goes away? Yeah. And then you look up later and the thing is done. Well, it's harder to get into that flow state when you, when you have continuous distractions, text messages, Slack notifications, you know, TikTok alarms and all this stuff going off. It's just like every time you almost get there, someone yanks you out. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this is not 
a problem that is is overwhelming. I mean, I feel like this is something we can easily defeat as long as we're aware of it and we use the tools. I think Apple in particular is a company that has done a good job of addressing this, uh, partly because I, I think the people at Apple care, and I think they, they don't want this problem either. And I also think that it's partly monetary, like their business model doesn't require you to watch ads. So uh, they are very well positioned to come up with technology that can help you without being quite so distracting. But they also, it's up to us as users to figure out how to do this. Yeah. Um, some, some interesting bits for competitors. TikTok last year, their gross revenue was $11 billion. Facebook's was $113 billion. Almost, almost all of that is advertising. Right. You know? And if you wonder, well, why is this so hard? That's because a lot of people are getting very rich making it hard. And mm-hmm. you know, you know, they, you know, advertisers got to advertise, and the way they do that, maybe they throw stuff at you that politically gets you enraged, and that keeps your eyeballs there. Maybe they give you cute pu- pictures of puppies because they figured you like to see puppies. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really kind of terrible. There was an article, I believe, in the Wall Street Journal, um, where they did a study with TikTok because TikTok it, right now is very popular with children or teenagers. And they they created their own bots at the Wall Street Journal, um, where they would have um, a certain interests, and they would click videos based on the interests. And one of their bots was uh, depression mm. interested, right? And so this bot, like in the first ten minutes, there was a depression video. The bot watched the whole depression video, and I don't have the exact numbers in, in front of me, but like within like an hour, the bot had drilled in or that the algorithm at TikTok had drilled in entirely that this person is depressed and we're just going to keep feeding them depressing content because they watch it. You know, they didn't feed them content that said you should get help. They said, Oh, you're depressed. Let me help you be more depressed. Mm. (laughs) You know? And you know, that's what algorithms do. They look for your weakness and they drill in whether it's depression or cute puppies or political nonsense or whatever. And those guys are making so much money on this. It is really scary. That's that's why I find it scary for kids. And I don't want to be alarmist, but you know, if there's children in your life, try and have a conversation with them about it and see if they understand uh, why this is a problem. Um, we're not here though today just to talk about your kids. We're here to to talk about how can you use that technology in your pocket to actually help you do your important work and. And, you know, have free time to do distracting things. Maybe, you know, looking at cute pictures of puppies in your free time, there's nothing wrong with that. But what is a problem is if you've got a job or if there's something you want to do with your life and you spend all your time looking at cute puppies, that's not going to happen. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter if I, you know, I'm watching that or, uh, you know, maybe people off-roading their pickup trucks. Maybe that's what the algorithm thinks I want to see. Or cutting dovetails or playing the saxophone. We right. all have our weaknesses. The algorithm will get to the bottom yes. of all of us. Yeah, you know, it's so true. It's so true. And uh, I do want to back up one second because you, you mentioned, you know, that Apple's business model is different from this, right? Their advertising model is not, uh, or their business model is not advertising. But they greatly benefit from these other companies doing it right yes. like if facebook wasn't on the iphone the iphone wouldn't be as valuable right so there is there is tension even at that level and i don't think you know if you if we roll back the clock 
you know, what, uh, 15, 16, 17 years, the iPhone is new. You know, the app store is going to turn 15 later this summer. I, I don't think that where we are now was necessarily inevitable, but it, that also kind of doesn't matter because it is where we are now. And so we've got to, we've got to contend with it. Um, and and not all these things are bad, right? We're not saying, like, don't hear what we're not saying. We're not saying that you should jettison all social media and, like, live in the woods. Like, if you want to do that, yeah. that's awesome. You know, like, three days a week, I want to do that. But it's about finding the balance, about focusing on what's important and using these things as free time. Sometimes it's great to have a distraction. Sometimes it's great to watch, you know, the funny puppy videos with your significant other at the end of a long work day. But it's 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 about making that decision and making that decision in a way that like you're in control of and and that you feel good about afterwards. I think that's where we want to get. Yeah, like I've got a really good friend. He's a very smart guy, uh, probably smarter than I am. And he got rid of his iPhone and he bought a super dumb phone. Like I think I know, know who this is because if it's who I think it is, they texted me about like Apple Music and an iPod. I was like, I can't. I can't help you with this. <laughs> well, I, I think I, well, yeah, I, I probably shouldn't say anyway. Um, but I have a good friend who did that. And, and I don't, that's, I have zero interest in that. Yeah. I feel like the iPhone is great. It takes great pictures. I tried it 10 years ago and it's terrible. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, yeah. For all those reasons, right. It's like, uh, I mean, for a lot of people, it's the key to their house, right? It's all of these things. And I think if you've got to jettison the whole thing, or if it's an experiment for something, like uh, I'm not here to dissuade you from that, but it's not for me. The, uh, it's part of modern life in so many ways. Yeah, and that's not really the point of today's show. Yeah. Um, what I think is you need to, number one, be aware that there are a lot of people making a lot of money stealing your attention. I guess number two, and this is a tech podcast, I don't want to get all grim here, but we are all going to die. And uh, there's things we want to do probably before we we die, and you're not going to get those things done if you let the attention economy take you over, you know, turn you into a robot. And then uh, the third thing is there's a way out of this. It's just to be mindful about you the way you use the technology and be vigilant about it because they are always finding new ways to try and grab your attention and uh, I think, uh, so that's the point of today's show. We're going to go over some technologies available to us on the Apple platforms to help you avoid those those pitfalls, get the most you can out of them, and hopefully have time to do the stuff that's important to you. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by 1Password. Go to onepassword.com slash MPU and get signed up today for a personal, family, or business plan. I want to talk today, though, about 1Password for Families. That's because that's the plan I subscribe to. I'm a big fan of it. We've had it now for years, and my kids have grown up with these 1Password security habits. I think it's been really good for them to understand how to protect themselves on the Internet and have something like 1Password at their back. I knew I was a success when I overheard my daughter talking to a friend saying she was going to send her a password through 1Password's sharing feature. That's kind of awesome, right? With 1Password for Families, you can save and edit logins or financial data forms uh, directly from your browser, but you can also do everything from inside the app. It supports Windows, Mac OS, Linux, iOS, Android, and your web browser. So 1Password works everywhere. 
OnePassword also makes it really easy to share passwords and logins between your family with selective vaults where you can decide, like, you share certain amount of data with your spouse, but maybe less with your kids. And it's easy to update shared logins and passwords across everyone's devices. That was one of my tricks in teaching my kids to start using this is whenever we change the passwords, I just told them it's in one password. If they asked me, I didn't give them the password. I made them go get it themselves. But you can also keep items private if you need to. You can also recover one password access for individual family members so they never get locked out. You can export your data at any time. You can set up guest accounts to share temporary access to the Wi-Fi. It's just a really powerful, all-encompassing system to bring internet security to your family. When everybody uses 1Password, they've got stronger passwords. They've got an easy way to use two-factor authentication, which, by the way, is much more secure than doing it through a cell phone. And you get that great watchtower protection. And 1Password for Families is $4.99 a month. But you can get 20% off that. Just go to onepasswordcom MPU. Once again, onepasswordcom MPU. Get 20% off and start protecting your family, teaching them the right security habits today. 1Password is an award-winning service. Uh, companies like Fast Company, Wired, Wirecutter, Trustpilot, the Webby Awards. Everybody's finding 1Password as the best password manager. And it's definitely the best password manager for the Sparks family. Make it for your family as well. Once again, onepasswordcom MPU. Check it out today. So I think we've got to start with notifications, right? It's one thing if we pick up our phone or pick up our iPad and engage in something. But notifications are the content or the web or whatever uh, breaking into our our day, right? You pick up your phone, it vibrates in your pocket, whatever. And over the years, Apple has had really several different takes on how to deal with notifications and at least now, I mean, we're, we're recording this in the iOS 16 cycle. You know, we're still a few months away from WDC. But the notification control in iOS 16 is complicated. There's a lot of toggles. There's a lot of stuff you can do. And I think Apple's felt like they need to add those things over time. But I think it's also kind of easy to get lost. So when we talk about notification management on iOS, um, starting on iOS, where you know what what are the things you think about uh, and and look for yeah i i feel like um you need to going back to this idea of you know primitive man we don't hunt tigers anymore speak for yourself no i'm just kidding i don't hunt tigers don't <laughs> <laughs> like steven you really want to go down that path <laughs> no 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 i mean no no, no. <laughs> we don't hunt tigers we hunt notifications right <laughs> you you've got to be super stingy about it and there are ways now. Apple has improved over the years about notifications. Number one, making them available, but also um, allowing you to uh, group them or or decide what gets through. But they also make it really easy to turn them off as they show up, which used to be a complete pain in the butt. You know, you had to go yeah. into the settings and the notifications tab, find the app. Now they allow you to do a simple swipe, and I think too many people. Uh, don't do that. Mm-hmm. And I go after notifications. Like when I, at the end of the day, see any notifications, my first question is, what does the notification say? My first question is, why is this app notifying me? And do I even care what it says? I mean, if if I 
I I am killing this constantly because I'm Max Barkey. I'm constantly adding new apps. And a lot of times when you install a new app, you have the, you know, hope springs eternal. Oh, of course, you're a new app. You're going to change my life. You can give me a notification. <laughs> you know, you, you authorize it yeah. right there. Yeah. You know, and, uh, but then, you know, like a day later, you're like, you can't have this flood. And the problem is when you don't cull the herd, you get so many notifications that you don't pay attention to any of them. And the notification that you actually did need to see, you never see. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to have a very aggressive posture towards notifications. It's like you need to have you need to really have a I need a really good reason for you to exist. A, a good example for me is just this morning, Parcel. You know this Parcel app, right? Yeah. We've recommended it. It's a great app. It gives you shipment notifications. And every day at like eight o'clock for the last week, it's been going off on my iPad. Like, cause you know, I've got a couple things coming in from Amazon and whatnot. And it's like a parade of notifications in Parcel. And I'm like, look, if I want to see when my packages are showing up, I'm going to open Parcel. I don't need it to, to you know, bang off four notifications to me every morning. And for some reason, my iPad here on my desk, I just never killed it. So I just immediately stopped and killed the notifications in Parcel. You know? And you have to have that attitude. Like, you have to earn your way into my attention and uh, be very stingy about it. Yeah, I think that's right. I definitely have had the, the same experience. In fact, I reinstalled Apple News to read something. I think on the Wall Street Journal or something. Like I don't have a subscription there, but I knew it was going to be Apple News. So I reinstalled Apple News on my phone. And within an hour, I was like, nope, you you do not get notification privileges, right? It's yeah. not something I want uh, pushed to my phone all the time. And I, I think the, the ruthlessness, that's really... That's really step one for me as well. It's about really deciding what gets to interrupt and what doesn't. And I think I've learned to be flexible with that over time, right? If I'm traveling, maybe I do want notifications on for certain apps that I may not want when I'm at home or or whatever. And, And knowing that just because something works for me today doesn't mean that it gets to work for me forever, right? And and. To your point, Apple has made it really easy just from the lock screen to slide over and say, you know, no more, you're banished. And if you go through, if you want to be more deliberate about it, I would recommend the next time you have some downtime and you want to do something with your phone, instead of going on uh, Instagram or your social media of choice, use that time for good and just go into settings and click on the notifications tab. And just take a look through because they've also done a good job of summarizing as you scroll through what is the access that each app has, you know? Um, and then you can just go through. They if Once you open it up, the settings are not opaque at all. I mean, you can go in there and you can choose whether there's a big button at the top where you can just turn all notifications off immediately. Um, if you want, though, you can also uh, toggle banners, notifications into a lock screen so you can... Uh, limit how many interruptions you get from it. You can turn off sound. You can turn off badges. It it really gives you the ability to really dial in how far down the rabbit hole you want to go. But my favorite button is the one at the top. You just flick that, and then you get no notifications at all from the application. Mm-hmm. And I have used this on a lot of apps that you wouldn't think I'd use it on. You know, I mean, like Apple Mail. You know, I don't. I just. I. I I, I'm tempted not to do any mail on my iPhone, but I certainly don't want it going off on me because someone sent me an email. Yeah. 
there's a lot of stuff in here, and it's it's kind of crazy when you look through it, uh, because most of the stuff I actually don't allow notifications out of the gate. You know, Apple News, for instance. Of course, I've got that turned off. But it's it's shocking when I look at this list how many apps would like to have access to my notifications. Like, um, there's a great little app I've never mentioned on the show called Picture This, and if you like to garden, this is a great app. And and I actually pay for the subscription; it's like twenty bucks a year. But any plant in the world I see, I can take a picture of it, and it tells me what the plant is and how it does where I live. I love this. But this app has notifications. <laughs> it wants banners, notification center, lock screen. It wants to have a badge and give me sound. Are nope. you crazy? Nope. For nope, an nope. app <laughs> that I use to identify a tree with? I mean, come on, you know. Uh, so if you go through, you'll see that. In fact, if you spend, if you take a pause right now, but you have to promise to come back, right? But if you take a pause right now and take 15 minutes and go through that, you are going to come back and most of your notification problem is going to be solved with that 15 minute investment. You can even do it on the can. I didn't, you know, I know I'm I'm not supposed to say that, but, but go for it. (laughs) Go for it. Just don't, don't send me any pictures. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, basically anything that gets installed on your devices is going to want notifications because this is just, this is how apps stay in your mind, right? If you're a developer, this is a way to, uh, to stay front of mind. And Apple has rules around not using notifications for advertisements, but they're not really enforced, including by Apple. Uh, in yeah. fact, one of the apps <laughs> I have turned off is Apple, the Apple TV app on my iPad because Apple sends me notifications about new TV plus content. I was like, stop it. I don't care. Like, if I want to watch something, I'll open this app and browse or, you know, word of mouth and find something. And having... uh having that time to go through it definitely pays dividends because chances are you're getting notifications, so many notifications that it's, it's like hard to even tell what's going on. Yeah, it is. And like I said, you get flooded. It's, it's the same problem you have with using too many due dates in a, in a task manager. If, if you get a hundred notifications, the two that matter will never reach your eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you get two notifications, you're going to, you're going to look up and say, Oh, wait a second, what's going on? You know? And, uh, I was just thinking it'd be fun to go through some of the apps that we do allow notifications on, uh, just as an example. Uh, for me, it's largely apps that have something to do with like money or travel. Like yeah. a lot of the, the airline ones I do, uh, the home app, of course, I allow notifications because I'm doing stuff in home app all the time. Um, but it, it really is a very small group that gets through. And again, every time I get a new notification, I the first question is, why did this just happen? Mm-hmm. And like, do I need this? You know, like day one is another one. I had day one turned on for a long time to remind me to do a morning and an evening journal entry. But you know what? Most days I do one, and when I don't do one, it's because I'm busy, so I turn that notification off. And so it's not that I'm hostile toward the app; it's an app I love, but I don't need it. I don't need it tapping me on the shoulder. Yeah, I mean, I mean, looking through mine, very similar to yours, right? There's obviously the communication apps. Um, we can talk about those a little bit later. A lot of communication apps have um, specific, like in-app controls which is nice yeah um but yeah it's you know those it's a couple of banking apps uh it is a, 
it's travel apps when I'm traveling. And most of these, you know, are off because most of the time I, I really don't need to be notified of something, you know, in the iTunes store or in, uh, you know, some random uh, reading application or something that I have. Um, and while the on-off, I think, is uh, is clearly like the the big hammer you can use, it iOS and macOS do give you the options where you can say, you know what, this one is fine just to badge silently. This one, banners are great. You know, things like uh, my task manager, I have time-sensitive notifications on because I want those to stick around for a while. So you can really, you really can go in and find find the right balance for you, but it does take some time. Yeah, and like the Apple added an option when you do the swipe called Deliver Quietly, mm-hmm. which uh, it what it does is it puts the notification in your notification center, but it doesn't give you banners or lock screens. It doesn't, you know, make a bunch of noise. So it, it literally delivers a notification quietly. And then I guess maybe at the end, the idea would be at the end of the day, you just look through all of your notifications to see those. And it's something that you thought was important enough to be able to see that way without tapping you on the shoulder at the moment that it happens. Yeah. And I think that's a good middle ground and some apps deserve that. But what I would argue is that a lot more apps deserve the big button of just turn it off and turn it off and see how bad it is. Like, you know, you love your packages, you love parcel, what happens if you just turn parcel notifications off for a week? Does it really matter? You know, and mm-hmm. if you find you miss those, then you can go back and find some middle ground, like the quiet delivery or something. But, but my point would be always err on the side of turning them off. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm not the best correspondent. You know, uh, people who who deal with me know that sometimes it takes me a while to get back with them. I never like reply to text messages in the moment. I probably make Steven crazy with that. It's not you, Steven. It's just I just don't yeah, yeah. look at it that Sometimes often. Sometimes I have to chase you down, but that, that's okay. Yeah. But, you know, but in exchange for that, I get to make things that I'm proud of Yeah. Um, before I die. And that's kind of the way I look at it. Hmm. So I, I, I feel like that with the, the, the battle with notifications is there. And anytime something is actively notifying you that isn't truly worth your interrupting you, you know, isn't worth someone. Like if you were in an office and you say, what is justify someone coming up and tapping on my shoulder while I'm in the middle of work? There's probably not many things. Yeah. You know, um, someone telling you that you need to order more paper clips, that's not good enough, right? It's got to be something's on fire or something really important needs to be answered right now. And I feel like we, and we would have high barriers if we were physically in a room and, you know, the person, let's just say that, Instagram as a person. Could you imagine how that person would dress? The yeah. Instagram guy. I, I, yeah. I don't need that in my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but let's say the Instagram guy actually is in the office next to you. Would you let him come in every 10 minutes and say, oh, wait, here's a great puppy? Or, you know, <laughs> here's a guy, you know, jumping off um, a bridge. I, I don't know how this happens, Stephen, but Instagram thinks that I like people jumping off bridges on bungee cords. Wow. I, I don't know why. But every time I open Instagram, it's telling me, here's another guy jumping off a bridge with a bungee cord. So anyway, that that kind of stuff shouldn't be bothering you. And the notification center can do that. Uh, can we just go down a little bit of a rabbit hole on the Apple Watch right yes, now? Yes, please. Because that's a big part of this because it's literally strapped to you. 
Yeah, I was complimentary of Apple earlier. I am not complimentary of Apple the way they set up notification defaults on Apple Watch. Agreed. I mean, it it's just too much. It should be it's the opposite of what it should be. You know, when you install new apps on the Apple watch, it turns all those notifications on your watch is constantly tap. You know, I was talking earlier about, you know, figuratively tapping you on the shoulder, but this is literally tapping you on the wrist and it happens so often with apps that don't matter. Yeah. My advice to anyone setting up an Apple watch is always to turn off notifications for everything and then turn them on as you want them because it's just, it's just two bananas to uh, to have your phone and your watch be set up the same way. Even if you have really good notification hygiene on your phone, right? Even if you if you've done all this work and you turned off the things you don't want or need and you've really minimized it, it being on your watch is is just a fundamentally different thing. And as and as pared down as my notifications are on my phone, if my watch taps me, I know for a fact it's something that I want to see. Because I have d- gone through and done the work to say, you know what, uh, if you're allowed here, then it it is a big deal, and I I should know about it. I should do that for you. I, I've got to set it up so when Stephen, because I, I feel bad when Stephen contacts me, I don't get back with him right away. But the um, I think that a- Apple really did themselves a disservice here. I remember when the Apple Watch first released, the version zero, Series Zero, and like a lot of the reviews were like, "Oh, this is really cool," but you know what? It it's too uh, it's too noisy. It's always tapping me and bothering me. And I was thinking, all these tech reviewers don't they understand you can turn that stuff off? Mm-hmm. You know, but so I was kind of critical of them at the time. I mean, you're you know, you're a big time tech reviewer. You know, you can turn notifications off even at the beginning. But maybe maybe they were right to point that out because I think for most people, they're never going to do that. And by Apple making the decision to turn them all, they did make a noisy device. Yeah. And that's still the case. I mean, that's never changed. And um, as much as I think it's important that you, you tone down the notifications on your phone, I think even more so on your watch. But but I like Steven's idea of, of really just like making the watch the point of contact. Mm-hmm. And and then that really gives you an excuse to really throw the big switch and turn off notifications on almost everything on your phone. Yep. How often do you wear your watch now? I know you kind of go back and forth. Yeah. On it. Since the Ultra, it's basically every day. Um, yeah. It's a great watch. You know, the battery yeah. life is great. The watch is awesome and big and orange. And so, yeah, it's it's just about every day. I mean, if, if Mary and I go out or something, like we went to this fancy fundraiser a couple of months ago, like wore a nicer watch because I was in a suit, but... Most of the time, it's the uh, the Ultra. This episode of MPU is made possible by SaneBox. SaneBox is this amazing service for your email that learns what email is important to you, and it filters out what isn't. This can save you hours each and every week. SaneBox works with all kinds of email programs and services. You're not stuck to a special app. So you can explore email apps and services that are out there. If you're going to make a change, it's easy for Sandbox to follow you along. And this is truly great email filtering. These are just some of the things that Sandbox does. You have Sane Later. This keeps your inbox nice and tidy with things that only uh, really matter. Other stuff goes to Sane Later where you can deal with it on your own time. There's the Sane Black Hole, my personal favorite. Where you can unsubscribe with one click. Just move a message to the Sane Black Hole. The sender will never reach you again. You can snooze emails. You can set up reminders. 
You can even move attachments to Dropbox and other cloud services if your email provider doesn't give you a lot of space. I've used Samebox for years. I cannot imagine doing my job, handling my email without it. I really rely on these features. And if you, like me, have a lot of email, it's a great, great way to keep things under control. Samebox has a bunch of pricing plans. They start as as low as about $4 a month. You can check it out with a 14-day free trial. Samebox.com slash MPU is where you want to go. There's a link in the show notes. There, you'll receive a $25 credit on any plan. And two-thirds of MPU listeners who try Samebox end up subscribing. I think you're going to love it. It really has made all the difference to me. Once again, that's Samebox.com slash MPU to receive a $25 credit on any plan and to check out their 14-day free trial. Our thanks to Sanebox for the support of Mac Power users. Okay, another weapon that Apple has given us is focus modes. And I am going to take every opportunity I can on the Mac Power users to talk about focus modes. I love them so much, Stephen. You have gone uh, much deeper into this than I have, for sure. I just have a handful. So uh, how are you? How do you have your setup? Yeah, um, so focus modes, I guess I should back up a little bit. Uh, that is a feature Apple added two years ago where you can say, I'm doing this particular thing and I want like global controls on the outside world's ability to interrupt me. And uh, to give a little origin story here, one of the reasons I realized I need this was right after COVID, um, we bought tickets to go to Disneyland, the, the whole family. And we hadn't been there for a year and we were really looking forward to it. And at that point they didn't have the annual pass program because you know, it was, we were right out of COVID. So I think I spent like $600 to, to buy tickets for like the whole family and the boyfriends and everybody and go for a day to Disneyland. And I got there and this is when I was still, you know, Mr. ESQ and like we were at like 10 in the morning, a client like uh, texts me, about some emergency that's not an emergency, but he's like hemorrhaging over it. And, you know, I tried to call him and calm him down, but he just could not get over it. And honestly, I think that day played a role in me stopping practicing law because this guy was just losing his mind. And I'm sitting there trying to have fun with my family and I keep getting these notifications and stuff like that. And, and I realized, you know, we need a way to be able to block all that. And that focus modes are that. With a focus mode, you can say, I'm doing a certain thing right now, and only these people can talk, contact me, or um, only these apps can bug me. And it's much deeper than notifications. It's like the next level of notifications because you can really customize it to have a very limited uh, filter and use that contextually. And you get up to 10 with the, the iPhone. And that's one of my gripes, and I'm going to gripe about it every year as they update the OS that they only have 10. Uh, if anybody's listening Apple, 10 is a very arbitrary number. Please make it 50. You know, like, for instance, as we, uh, just to give you an, an example, as we are sitting here podcasting, I am in my podcasting focus mode. And what that means is that uh, there are very few people that can get through to me right now. Um, if I get a... Um, a message from Stephen, Mike, or Rosemary, who are the three people I podcast with, um, or, or uh, my kids or my wife, then a message comes through. Otherwise, I'm turned off to the whole world. 
And I love that, right? And likewise, yeah. the only apps that can reach me right now are Slack and Zoom. So if Steven sends me a text message about the show, which he never does during the show, then I will not see it <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, because uh, I have really um, turned it down. Uh, they also have this thing called time-sensitive notifications. So some apps are like, oh, this is really important. I need to get through. That's turned off too. So uh, I am really left alone while we record because I find it very distracting to have the outside world bug me while I'm trying to make a good show for the people that take the time to listen to it. Uh, as an example that the other day, um, I don't know, we were recording this show last week and Mike Schmitz, who's my co-host on the focus podcast started texting me about a guest, you know? Yeah. And I just, you know, and, and it got through because, you know, he's on the list and right. I re- I wrote him back and said, Hey, I'm recording. I can't talk. I'll call you later. Mm-hmm. And that, that was that, but it was distracting for, 20 seconds that it didn't need to be. And that's why I feel like I should have 20 or 50 of these. So I could say, I want a a Mac power users focus mode. And then Mike Schmitz won't be able to talk to me while I'm recording. You know, that, that kind of stuff is what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I have gone way down the rabbit hole on these. I've used all 10 and throughout the day, I'm constantly switching them. Uh, you can use automation to switch them now, which is awesome. So you can build shortcuts, I've also got them on my stream deck. So I've got all these buttons I can press to trigger focus modes. And um, I just, I just love them so much. Uh, I can talk more about them if you'd like, but I, I, I think I've been monologuing long enough at this point. <laughs> well, I do want to ask you about the progress Apple has made here. You mentioned they came out two years ago. Normally, with these features, you're waiting a couple of years between big revisions, but it's, this got a pretty big revision uh, in year two where you could basically have allow and deny lists. I think before yes. it was just one or the other, and it can still be a little bit fiddly to set up, but I do feel like they're taking this seriously, and the fact that it got pretty substantial change in the first 12 months is good evidence of that. Yeah, the the original version of it was what I would call inclusive. Mm-hmm. You you could say these are the people to let through, um, but the 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 new version is inclusive and exclusive. So you could say allow notifications from these people or disallow notifications from those people. You know, so you could say let everybody through except these people. Like my standard one. Uh, when I'm not working, is very inclusive. But I still have a few people that make the list where they don't get through even when I have downtime. People who make me so miserable that I don't want to be interrupted by them, but I'll 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 look at it later to see what they bothered me with, you know? Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and so so that you've got different options. And they also did the same thing with apps, you know, and so that that addition is great. Now what, now what they need to do is they need to recognize groups, you know, in context where mm-hmm. you could say, um, allow everyone that's a client through, or don't allow anyone that's a client through, you know, depending on what you're doing with your life. And there are some things you can do with contacts. I get emails about this every time I talk about it, but trust me, they don't have, they don't have it set up the way it needs to be to go even further with contact groups. Um, the other thing you can do with it that's really fun is you can change your wallpaper and you can even change your watch face. Um, so I've done that. Like I have colors that represent different focus modes. Like 
for me, um, the color of podcasting is green because Mac Power uses the first podcast I ever really made, and it's got that green color associated yep. with it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so it's green, and but you know, not only does my does my home screen turn green, also my watch turns green. I've got a watch face that's green, and it's got the time zone for for you know Steve in here, so I can see what time it is, and you know the you know, the kinds of tools I need on my watch when I podcast. Um, and all of that is set, you can set up right in the application. And with a little time spent in this, all this stuff I'm talking about today is an investment of time, but it's going to give you a massive bang for your buck. The 15 minutes you spend setting notifications is going to save you time. The hour you spend figuring out and setting up notific- um, focus modes is going to, mm-hmm. you're going to get that hour back in the day. I mean, it's just crazy how fast you get your return on your investment for this stuff. And, uh, but I use all the tricks and I use them constantly. And this is not a passing fancy for me. I was using it when it was kind of busted the first year. Yeah. And I use it even more now that it's even stronger and more powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, I love it. Like sometimes what I do is I sit here and work and I'm in what I call my work focus mode for hours and then I decide, oh, you know what? I'm going to play my saxophone or I'm going to go out in the garage and make some sawdust for 20 minutes. I change my focus mode. And then if my sister calls me, it comes through, you know? Uh, but when I'm working, it doesn't. And I even kind of feel like the process of setting the focus mode when I return to work almost kind of helps me prepare myself to focus, if you, if that makes any sense, right? It's like, okay, it's on. I just push the button. I just shut out most of the world. Now let's make this time count. Right. Yeah, I think that sort of simple mode switching is really important, right? It's the same reason that time tracking can help you keep on task because like, okay, there's this thing and it says I'm doing this thing. I need to be doing the thing that I said I'm doing. And yeah, I I do think with the focus mode stuff in particular, if you're not, if that doesn't seem to jive with you, I would also recommend people just explore the do not disturb settings in iOS and macOS because Apple has even added features uh, to those where you can set do not disturb uh, until the next calendar event or until you leave your active location, right? So maybe you're going to a doctor's appointment, you can just say do not disturb and it will come out of that when you are done. And even that, right? It's not focus mode. It's not the full-blown thing. But even those tools have evolved in a way that can be really useful. I'm a big fan of temporary do not disturb. Like this morning, I had coffee with somebody after taking the kids to school. And as I was walking in the coffee shop, I just said, hey, you know, uh, stay and do not disturb until I leave here. And don't think about it. It does the right thing when I get back in the truck and when I leave. And so even those little simple changes, you don't have to go all in on focus modes. I think you should explore them 100%, but it doesn't have to be this like big system you build. It can be as simple as, you know what? For the next hour, I don't want my phone to go off. But that being said, let me be the crank here and just say, give focus modes a legitimate try. You know, set it up properly, use it for a week. And... Uh, this is the kind of thing where you just get bang for your buck. Um, uh, when you work throughout the day and suddenly you're not getting disturbed by people and apps that you don't need to hear from while you're at work, uh, you get more work done. Mm-hmm. I, I can't tell you the number of times I have um, finished work and then I look at my phone, turn off the focus mode, and then I see 
um, you know, my, my threads and messages or whatever. And like my family is one, we're kind of a big family and we are always like pulling each other's chains and text messages. And I'll see that like a whole 20 message thread went down through my extended family while I was working. And I am so relieved I had that focus mode on, you know, and then I can always weigh in on what they were talking about when I have time, but I don't get bothered by them when I'm working. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. So you said you only have a couple. What are the focus modes that you use? Yeah. So I, I, I use the sleep one, like the yeah. built-in sleep stuff in iOS. I didn't do that for a long time, but with iOS 16 and some customization, you can kind of get it to where you want it to be. Um, and that is on a schedule. And so all my devices, right, go into sleep mode, come out of sleep mode. And I have yeah. it basically set up where if anyone in my immediate family calls, it goes through and that's really about it. Um, you know, I want to know if, you know, one of my parents calls me in the middle of the night because something's happened. <laughs> right. But other than yeah. that, it can wait. And, uh, so the sleep one is the one I use every single night, every single day it's, it's in use. Uh, and then I also have a recording one, which is very similar to yours. Uh, it's green. I said, I said all the, the wallpapers to green. Uh, it turns off basically everything except uh, messages from my co-host. So I do have the same problem you do, where sometimes, you know, those pesky connected boys are texting me while we're doing MPU. It's like, well, that I, I want the same more fine-grained control or more, more options that you do. Uh, but those are really my main two. Other than that, I rely on Do Not Disturb as sort of a blanket thing. And my Do Not Disturb is set up where it's more permissive about people getting through. Um, but again, it's basically immediate family, a, a handful of coworkers, and then I have uh, my kids' schools in there because, you know, if I got a kid throwing up at school, I need to go get them. I don't need to find out about that an hour and a half later after I finish my fancy coffee with a friend in the morning. So, yeah, my kids and my wife get through on every focus mode. Yep. And that's one of the nice things about focus modes is you're like, okay, well, these people are important and mm-hmm. they can get through. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's like the notifications where, the system you like you're not committed to your initial setup right so you can change things and uh i think apple's done a, a pretty decent job in the ui of setting up focus modes of really understanding what's going on because this is a, a relatively complicated system right because you are allowing and disallowing not only notifications from contacts but also from applications and some applications can be tied with contacts like Slack does this where I can like, okay, the Mike Curley in my contacts is also this person in Slack. And it is a complex system. So if something's not quite working for you, my encouragement would be don't just throw it away, but spend some time tuning it up and just go into this knowing that, you know, over time, uh, your needs, you know, your needs may change. They may shift. And, and that's totally fine because these tools are here to, to make, our use of the technology better. And so don't be afraid to roll your sleeves up and and dig in. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Indeed. Go to indeed.com slash MPU and join more than 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. When it comes to hiring, you need to trust your gut. But what if you could give your gut some help? When you want to find top talent fast, you need Indeed. 
Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. So don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, Assessments, and Virtual Interviews. And if you hate waiting, Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Instant Match really is incredible. Sponsor a job and boom, Instant Match shows you candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post. So join more than 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Indeed knows that when you're doing everything for your company, you can't afford to overspend on hiring. Visit Indeed.com slash MPU and start hiring right now. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash MPU. Indeed.com slash MPU. Some terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing is not available for everyone. Do you need to hire? You need Indeed. And our thanks to Indeed for their support of the Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. If I ever meet the guy or gal at Apple that came up and championed this, I am going to buy him or her a beer. Yeah. But but then I'm going to give them a checklist of <laughs> things I want. <laughs> Although I, listening to you, I, I feel like you could have podcast-specific focus modes because you haven't run out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The only reason I don't is because I hit the 10 limit. Uh, mine are, I do have Do Not Disturb, but I don't use that too often because I've got so many other focus modes that are more dialed in. Uh, deep focus is one just this side of do not disturb, right? It's like do not disturb, but it allows a few things through. Only my wife and kids get through on that one, by the way. I've got one called Disneyland because of that problem, that story I told you at the beginning. I don't want to be off having fun with the family and be interrupted about dumb things. And that one is interesting because it's triggered based on geolocation. Mm -hmm. So if I'm in the parking structure or on Disneyland proper, it just turns on. Uh, it turns like my watch face turns on to like things about the weather and fitness rings and things like, you know, so everything just kind of customizes around what I'm doing. I use the driving one. Um, I use it one I call personal and because I'm essentially always in a focus mode. Um, when I'm not working, I'm in personal mode and that one is much more liberal I've talked about the podcasting one. I also have one called production, which is where I'm I'm filming video for the labs or the field guides. And that one is super limited. I also have one for reading, which triggers when I open the Kindle app, because you can have a focus mode triggered by opening an app. It's a personal automation trigger in the, in the home app. And uh, that's kind of cool because then it really cuts things out. Like we were talking earlier about that article where the author argued that digital devices are not good to read on because the distractions, well, my digital device does not distract me when I read because I've taken the time to set up a focus mode. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, that's how I justify not buying physical books. Uh, I also use sleep. And then I have like the standard work one, which I'm, I spend most of my time in work or personal, but you know, the others show up when needed and uh, they're usually triggered by an automation. They could be triggered by, you know, you can trigger it by using a, a time tracker. If you're a time tracker, you can trigger a focus mode when you hit the time track or or vice versa. You can, I do it with stream deck buttons. There's a lot of ways to trigger these things. Uh, I find almost uh, physically triggering them better than automating it is just my own personal experience, but every, to each his own. Yeah. 
I think there's something nice about flipping the switch yourself. The same with yeah. time tracking, right? Like one reason I like timery backed by toggle is that it's not doing like the automatic stuff that others do. And there's lots of like timing is awesome, but yeah, I like, okay, I'm going over to that screen or I'm opening the app on my phone or hitting the widget. And I'm telling myself and my system, you are doing MPU right now. And, yeah. you know, you mentioned this earlier about how that can be a trigger for yourself internally that this is what, you know, this is what we're doing now. And so I, I tend to agree with you. My, my sleep focus, of course, is automatic because it's based on time. But like the recording one, I do it manually. Um, you know, I could have like a, in fact, I used to on the other, it's still on my other desk, an NFC tag that I would do and like it would turn the lights off and do a bunch of stuff. And yeah, but now it's just part of the ritual when it's time to record. And, uh, but different things work for different people, right? And the location, the geofence stuff may be uh, a great place, you know, especially if you don't work from home, like David and I do. He's like, yeah, when I'm, you know, at this address, I'm literally at work. And so I want my device to act this way. Yeah, agreed. And uh, you can all manually triggering them if you haven't figured this out. You can do it on your watch if you just swipe up. I, I trigger them on my watch all the time. Uh, you can also do it in Control Center on your phone or your iPad. And there's a menu bar thing. Um, and it's in, by default, it's a piece of that new kind of Control Center drop down in the menu bar on the Mac. Yep. But you can drag it out and put it independently on the menu bar. I did that a long time ago, and uh, I recommend it. Um, uh, one more little complaint about focus modes is the iconography is too limited. You know, Apple has this rich library as SF symbols, but there's very few of them actually in the focus modes. Mm -hmm. So, like, I, I would prefer to have a microphone for my podcasting one, but the closest I can get is a pair of headphones. But, you know, you can actually look at your menu bar if you use the iconography right and know what focus mode you should be in just looking at the menu bar. I agree with you. I think the the customization uh, would be nice. I mean, that's something we've talked about across a bunch of different Apple apps. Like, SF Symbols is just right there. Why can't I use them everywhere? Well, I, I would argue that focus modes is my favorite feature that Apple has done in the last several years. I, I think it's... It's a survival tool in a world where our attention is under attack. And I think everybody, I know a lot of people listen to us talk about it and they're like, oh, I'm going to do that someday. I would really encourage you, block some time in the next week to say, look, let's just spend an hour and really try and figure this out and then try to use it for like a month and see if it makes a difference. And if it doesn't, that's okay. I'm not going to nag you about it, but I really think this has the capability to help a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and if you are using it, share with somebody, you know, my wife just got a, a new job that is going to require her to be way more focused with the type of work she's doing. And I've already talked to her about it and she's like, yeah, I want to learn about that. I said, okay, so we're going to sit down together and I'm going to show her how I'm using it. And I hope that it, it, it sticks for her because, you know, these phones, you know, like our mutual friend who just dumped his phone, these phones are, can be a menace but they can also help us if we if we take advantage of these tools so you've spoken about some of your uh examples that you're using and how you, yeah. you have um hit up against the limit of of 10 uh, are there any other changes or improvements you'd like to see in the system yeah i, I feel like um 
when you're trying to focus on something important to you, I mean, there are people listening to this who have a great novel inside of them, but they never got time to write it, you know, or there are people in here who have a PhD that they haven't done because they haven't been able to find time or whatever it is that, that you need to get out of yourself Mm -hmm. uh, before your time is up. Um, I feel like you can take the technology can be used a step further. Like, Focus modes are good. Notifications are good. But I think you should also like be even more holistic about it. As an example, like when I go into production work, when I'm going to record screencasts, um, I have a whole thing. You know, like um, I have a setup on my Mac that changes all the stuff. In fact, I just shared that with the, the audience two or three weeks ago where it changes the screen resolution. It kills all the apps except the ones I need to be working in. Um, I have, when I made this studio, I put a light above the door that faces outside and I push a button and that lights up. And it means that anybody outside that wants to come talk to me should not come and talk to me right now. And, you know, just try to think of all of the contexts, um, or things that can cause you to be interrupted and bring those to bear on that production time. Uh, same thing with, you know, even just looking at my watch, it reminds me I should be working because that's the watch face that's up when I do serious work. And uh, I, you and I are very fortunate uh, because we work largely alone, so mm-hmm. we don't have interruptions from outside people. But for almost 30 years, I had a lot of people interrupting me. I had ways I would deal with that. Like, I just put a sticky on, on my door. And everybody that worked with me knew that if I had a sticky on the door to leave me alone, and I would even write on it that, you know, I will be available um, at, at, at 16 or 4 p.m. You know, yeah. I'd say, you can come talk to me at 4. I'll answer any questions. I'll talk about anything. But from now until then, leave me alone. And so what I was doing was giving them, one, a warning to not interrupt me, but two, a solution to come talk to me. And that, you know, that's a way that I was creating the – you know, the, the surroundings of success or giving myself the ability to have true focus for a while and win this war of attention. I, I, my, my words are very combative today. I apologize. (laughs) I'm not usually like that. I mean, this is a, this is a a big deal. I mean, it it is, and it's big, it's a big deal in the big ways. You know, it's like, do you have this, this work that you're not being able to do? But it's all, I also think this is important in smaller and and more subtle ways, right? It's it's okay, I'm I'm in line at the grocery store and I have like the overwhelming urge to pick my phone out of my pocket. Like I should examine that every once in a while. I should think oh, about yeah. that every once in a while. Just I mean, look around you. I, I that is such a great way to see how endemic this problem is. The grocery store is a great example. Anytime you go to the grocery store, just before you pull your phone out, just look to see how many people have their phones out, right? Mm-hmm. And and say, you're in line for two minutes. Can you be alone with your thoughts for two minutes? Or do you have to go to some social media website, you know, or yeah. whatever, check your email. It's just crazy. Uh, Disneyland just opened, they reopened Toontown, right? It's it's a, in Disneyland, it's like this little area for small kids. And it's really great. If you've got little kids and you go to Disneyland, go up to the new Toontown. They, they did a great job on it. And it's got like this play area that if I was like five years old, it's amazing, right? It's got everything you can climb on and jump on and slide on. And they just opened it. So Daisy and I went up there a few days ago and had a hot dog and and watched the kids playing. 
And it was shocking to me looking around because they also have great seating there for the parents. So you've got a million kids running around and you've got the parents sitting around. And I looked at, and all of the parents were looking at their phones. Yeah. Every single one. I mean, and this is like 20 people. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a single one of them there that was watching their kid. And I'm like a creep there watching their kids, right? You know, these aren't my kids. Why am I watching? But they're, they're cute and they're having fun and I'm enjoying it. But I was thinking not a single one of these people could put their phone away. How much money do they spend to be here today, to be with their kids? And they're, what are they doing on their phones? It's so important, you know? Yep. It is just shocking to me how, you know, I talked to the, at the beginning of the show about how hard it is for high school kids. It's hard for adults too. You gotta, you gotta be able to fight this war guys. I did it again. You got to be able to fight for your attention. I'm going to stop saying war. So. Okay. <laughs> okay. But the, uh, it's it just, it really is tough, you know? Uh, so I, I try to bring all of those to bear. I try to be very intentional about when I do stuff, whether I'm dealing with other people or just myself, if I have to change the lighting in the room, if I have to write some nerdy script to make my Mac just give me the stuff I need. If I have to employ notification limitations and focus modes, any little dirty trick I can use to fight my lizard brain, I'm going to use it. You know, when you're on your Mac and you open your browser to do something like you've got a web-based service used for work, and then all of a sudden you realize you've been on Amazon for 20 minutes, right? <laughs> right. This stuff, it's its not just on the phones, it's everywhere, and you just got to be aware of it. And if that means you write a script that opens the work site, then do it. You know, mm-hmm. use whatever you need to help you stay focused. And I'm not saying you should never go on Amazon. I'm saying you should intend to go on Amazon, not fall into it like a trap, you know, or YouTube. YouTube's great for that too. You know, if you want to take a 30 minutes at night and relax and watch YouTube, go for it, you know. Honestly, though, I would recommend that you download the stuff from YouTube that you don't actually watch it. We talked about that last week, but the, um, cause you know, the YouTube algorithm, once it gets a hold of you, you're not going to be there 30 minutes. You're going to be there three hours, mm-hmm. you know, but, but either way, uh, you know, th- there's nothing wrong with doing some of these activities. The what's wrong is, is when you unintentionally do them and they hijack your day. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, I think there's some good tools for that, especially if you, um, if you use Chrome or I think Edge and Firefox have this as well, where you can set up different profiles, right? And so I have several set up in Chrome and the color of the top bar is different. And, you know, I'm doing certain things and certain ones. And that's mostly about being logged into different accounts. But when my, my lap, you know, right before I went independent, my last sort of jobby job, um, I did that to keep work and other stuff separate, right? I had a work Chrome profile and maybe use one browser for work. And it's a little bit different, I think, in the browser because you don't have all of the tools you have at the OS level, but you can still spend time to, to, to build some walls for yourself there. Yeah, and you know what's really helped me with that lately is Safari tab groups because yes. I am very liberal with them. Like I have a tab group for recording Mac power users. I have a different tab group for recording ads and like whatever job I'm doing, I probably have a tab group for it. And so if I want to go in and do the work, it's only going to show me the tabs I need and make it much less likely for Mm -hmm. me to like 
grow that into a YouTube tab or something that would typically distract me. And if you haven't used tab groups, I'd recommend exploring that because I think they're actually pretty good. Uh, You know, I have, I have complaints, but we'll save that for another day. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so I actually keep the sidebar open in Safari these days. And it's even just seen in the left sidebar, the highlighted tab group lets me know, like right now it's, it's on my MPU uh, recording tab. I'm like, Oh, so I should be thinking about recording MPU, not jumping over to something else. This episode of MPU is brought to you by Setup. With all the tools available to us, looking for something new to improve the way that we work can feel like drowning in an ocean of different apps and services. There's a lot of great stuff on the market now, but not everything is worth your time and money. And what's more, many of us are paying for apps and services that we never really properly integrated into our workflows. So how do you know which apps are worth trying without emptying your wallet on subscriptions that you might forget to cancel? The answer is Setapp the platform that combines more than 230 powerful macOS and iOS apps and tools under one $9.99 subscription. It's just 10 bucks. Their selection of apps is super helpful for people who use their Macs to work, covering complete use cases like coding, designing, project, time management, and more. Once subscribed, you get full access to all the paid features of these apps, as well as new apps that are constantly being added. So you'll always be sure that you're not missing out on anything that can actually help you get your work done more efficiently. Offers a fraction of the price. Setup is a smart way to get apps for people who create value with the help of their Apple devices. It takes away the pain of looking up, comparing, buying, and managing separate apps. And they partner with some of the world's best developers to handpick the most trustworthy and advanced paid apps for Setup. I love this idea. I love that you can go to one place, See really the cream of the crop of what's available across the Apple ecosystem and then try them. And again, all for just one $9.99 subscription. Setup makes sure to remove outdated tools and keep the collection up to date with the best software around. So if you have a complex task to solve, you can delve into their app collections. And for peace of mind, every app is updated automatically with no annoying ads. And you can install and uninstall apps with a single click. Check out Setup today by trying it out for seven days for free. There's a link in the show notes, or you can visit stpp.co slash macpowerusers. That's stpp.co slash macpowerusers. You can try Setup completely free for seven days. Setup powers you up. Our thanks to Setup for their support of the show. I thought it'd be fun to just put some random tips on since we've been on this rant here for over an hour. Um, I've got a couple ideas. Uh, the first one we mentioned time tracking. I think if this is really a struggle for you, you know, holding your attention, uh, explore time tracking. We did a whole show on it. It comes up on the show frequently enough. There's several apps out there. Um, timery and timing being the, probably the two we'd recommend the highest, but do some time tracking to help you quantify how much, uh, attention suck you've got going on in your life. That might help. Yeah. I would chime in on the the time tracking stuff where if I, you know, so I'm doing show prep, right? Doing MPU prep on a, on a random weekday and I do fall down. Maybe I fall down the YouTube rabbit hole. You know, maybe I'm starting by, you know, maybe I'm watching a video you posted or you put in the show notes for me to look at before we record or something. But then I, oh, now I'm suddenly, you know, elsewhere. 
I will go and I, and I will adjust my entry in Timery to reflect what happened. Yeah. And so when I run my report at the end of the week or the end of the month or whatever, it's like, oh, you didn't actually have anywhere close to 40 working hours. And, you know, some of that's picking up kids or, you know, uh, signing for a, a, a table in the middle of your recording or whatever it is that's happened to me today. But it also helps me realize, okay, some of these holes are things where I had unintentional time. And I, I know our friend Gray actually, I think, tracks unintentional time, which is hilarious to me and sort of ironic. But I want my time tracking to be truthful as to what happened, not what I wish had happened. Yeah, I do that too. When I fall into a trap and I realize that I have... um because you can put a tag on it. Just, I just call it unintentional, and then it quantifies it for me at the end of the week. Well, how much time did you spend that was not intentional? Yeah. And if you have, you know, sometimes you'll find you have many hours of unintentional time, which is a nice warning sign, hey, I need to do a better job of this. But uh, another hit, t- tip I would give is to be gentle with yourself about this. Mm-hmm. Um, there, Like I said, there's a lot of people making a lot of money, spending a lot of time doing the science of figuring out how to grab your attention. And the deck is, to a certain extent, stacked against you. And some days you're not going to be as good at this as you are on others. Uh, even me, someone who's been meditating my entire adult life and who really takes this stuff seriously, I fall down this trap. We all do. And I think that when it happens, you don't scold yourself. You're just like, ah, they got me. Okay, I'm I'm going to turn the page and I'm going to be better now. And it, that's all you should do. Don't yep. don't beat yourself up over this stuff. Totally agree. I think that, that's super important. And for me, at least, like when I've had those seasons where I am harder on myself about it, like it doesn't do me any good. Right. I just then I just feel bad about it. And well, then you that's a new form of distraction is yeah. you're sitting there beating yourself up instead of doing the work. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? Today's a new day. It's a new week or it's a new afternoon. And I can yeah. I can move forward from here. That's that's really uh, a really good thing to chime in on. I like to um, and I was taught this by a meditation teacher because meditation, you have the same problem. But she said, you know, just laugh at yourself because, you know, you're barely evolved monkey you're going to have times where it's hard. Just mm-hmm. give your, you know, okay. Okay. Well, that was funny. Okay. That's good. Now I'm going to turn the page. You know, that's all you can do because yeah. we are kind of barely evolved monkeys. So don't forget that. Um, uh, the other thing I like to do um, with attention is, is scheduling downtime. You know, we talk about block scheduling, but schedule time to not be doing anything and try to build the muscle of not doing anything without, using digital devices as much as I love them. It's fun to put them down once in a while. And, uh, you know, Steven likes to work on his truck. I've got a couple hobbies as well, you know, find things you can do in your life that don't involve the digital devices. And I think that makes it easier to avoid them when you are using them. One area of this that has been relevant to me recently is, you know, listening to music or a podcast while going on a walk or a bike ride. And there are times where like, okay, I need to listen to this for work. I'm going to go on a bike ride. The two have to overlap. But the times where I don't have something like that and I can go walk for an hour or ride for an hour and not have anything in my ears is fantastic. It, it really is. And it gives yeah. you time to to think on things and to reflect or, uh, you know, have a random problem you've been working on solved by your brain because you're not, you know, shoving an episode upgrade into it. 
Yeah, I I have I do that because I walk. One of the best things about getting a dog for me was that we take daily walks together, and sometimes I feel like I just want to listen to a fiction book, you know, an audible. But a lot of times I just don't, and it's kind of nice because it's interesting to me how whenever I give my brain downtime, it solves problems for me. It's like a helper, Mm -hmm. but it just needs the space and. I often come back from a walk when I didn't listen to anything and the thing that I was struggling with, I magically have the answer to. And uh, I wasn't even really actively thinking about it. I just gave myself space to sort it out. And uh, that's something you you don't get if you're in the grocery line looking at your phone. Yep. You know, the whole idea of being alone with your thoughts. Um, my parents' generation had a lot of that. You know, they didn't have digital devices. Um, my parents, at least, barely, they didn't have money for a TV. I mean, they really had a lot of time to sit around and think. And when you look back just a few generations, most people had a ton of downtime. And we don't anymore. In fact, almost a lot of us, I think, and I'm sure people in this audience would would fit this category, there's no downtime. It's like you go from one thing, you work all day, then you got to go home, you got to make dinner for the kids, then you got to do the laundry, and then you got to get things, and you tomorrow you get to get up and do the whole thing again. And on the weekends, you got, you know, it's just, there's just no end to it. And I think that really is unhealthy. And if you can find a way to, to find some downtime, program it into the system somehow, be along with your thoughts. I think that helps too. And I think all of those things give you more power to avoid the digital distractions when they show up. And I, I've been too negative about it, how these things are negative for you. But I think the flip side of this whole argument is think about if you were able to really bring deep focus and, and concentrate on important work, how much more productive and, and successful you would be. And in a world where the rest of the world is kind of getting dumber about this stuff, what an advantage you have over everyone else. I mean, if that, maybe that's another way to look at it is building these superpowers in a world where everybody's losing them can really get you ahead. Absolutely. It, it, it is a, it is a real skill to be able to do this sort of stuff. And it, it's a practice like, like anything else. Uh, the thing that I would add to this section, we mentioned it earlier, um, but to dig in a little bit deeper is a lot of apps, especially communication apps, have in-app notification settings. And so let's take Slack, for example, because I use it every day for work. On my phone, Slack is allowed to send notifications. But within the Slack application, I have lots of control. I can pause those notifications for set amounts of time. I can set a notification schedule. So, okay, after this time or before this time, those notifications aren't going to come through. Even though... The OS has told Slack you can send notifications. I can have more fine-grained control within them. Another good example of this is mail and mail VIP. I get a lot of email. I do not have notifications on for email, but I do have them on for mail VIPs. And that list is very short. Um, In fact, we talked a while back about when we added each other to our mail VIPs, and it was a, a special moment on the show. Yeah, it was. There there are certain <laughs> like so like if Mike Hurley, my business partner, if he emails me, like something is happening. Like he's forwarding me something I need to look at. Yeah. Like, it's 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 unusual. So I want those there. You know, if I get an email from Cernit 
press people at Apple. I want to know about it when it comes in. Um, if my wife emails me, again, it's not something she does very often, I want to see it. But I don't need to see the other 4,000 emails I get a month on my lock screen. And so going in there, fine-tuning those things. Um, so if you have apps like that Discord, Teams, Slack, a lot of these sort of bigger communication tools have more fine-grained control. And spend some time ex- exploring that. I know particularly in Slack, it makes Slack a lot more manageable for me. You know, when I'm at yeah. my desk and I'm set to active in Slack, like have at it, computer, like go bananas. But if I'm not there, if I'm set to away in Slack or it's after a certain period of time or like last week when I was on vacation, uh, I don't want those. And so I can just tell Slack, you know what? Turn all these off until X time in the future. I'm not changing that at the OS level. I'm not changing it on all of my devices. I'm doing it within Slack and then Slack itself manages that. And so if you've got tools like that that you're using for work or a project or something, spend some time in there because a lot of apps really have added uh, more things in there. You know, apps like um, some social media uh, networks have this. Like, yeah, maybe you want notifications on for DM because you don't use DMs very often when you do their important. But you don't need notifications on for replies and favorites. And so you can set that in the app in uh, in a more fine-grained manner. And I think that that is... Uh, uh, useful as well because sometimes that top switch yes or no actually isn't as subtle as you need it to be and you need to dig in a little bit further totally totally the, the way i solved um emails i turned it off entirely but you know i think everybody has to make their own choice but i have the vips tab at the top of my mail app so if i open mail and there's a mail from a vip i see that first but one of the things I really admire about you, Stephen, among many things, is your ability to keep up with communications as a network owner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for people at home, Stephen has to wrangle what is it, thirty or forty different podcast hosts? Yeah, it's a yeah, it's like it's like herding cats. Yeah, and you know, and the you've got changes with sponsor copy, and you know, some hosts never me are late with something getting submitted and you know, <laughs> yeah you know so it's just like you've got to deal with all these people and then the same the, on the flip side you know we have little problems when we're like doing something you know where so, you know, time change copy change something change and you are always so responsive on that stuff and i'm always impressed how you're able to keep on top of that but i know you are not you know, attention deficit. You you do a good job of getting actual work done as well. So um, I feel like uh, any advice you have about, you know, those communication uh, filters, it should be listened to. <laughs> I mean, you, you do a really good job of it. Yeah, well, thank you. And it, it's taken time, right? I mean, we've been doing this now. Relay's going to be ready to be nine years old later this year. So it's, it's taken yeah. time to get there. Um, and for me, it's really about prioritization, right? I know that there are some things that are like, are important, right? Like getting the right ad copy and the right show at the right date, vitally important. There's a bunch of other stuff that happens in Slack that I can just deal with later, right? One thing in Slack in particular that I really use heavily is categories of channels. So everyone can make their own categories. They're not, I'm not forcing your channels into my categories. It's all personal and individual. And, you know, I've got some that are at the top of the list. And anytime something is unread in those, I ought to look at it. But then, you know, we've got ones where we're like talking about cars or, you know, movies or like stuff that's not as important and I can come and go as I please. And so it's taken some time to set that up. And again, uh, I keep coming back to this, but I think it's important. 
the system changes over time. And as responsibilities change or expectations change, um, I'm not married to any of it. Any of it can be changed or uh, even jettisoned if I if I need to get rid of it. Yep. Well, uh, I hope that we have inspired you, dear listener, to take a look at this problem and see what you can do to help your you you improve your uh, your attention and your ability to stay focused when all our digital devices love to distract us. If you've got some tips we didn't talk about, a great place to do that would be over at the forums at talk.macpowerusers.com. I'm sure there are listeners that have some pretty good ideas that we didn't cover today. Love to read those and bring them back for a feedback episode. Uh, we are the Mac Power Users. You can find us over at relay.fm slash MPU. Thank you to our sponsors today, 1Password, SaneBox, Indeed, and Setup. And we'll see you next time.